1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's weekly podcast discussing all things Yeovil Town. I'm your host Josh Fordham and joining me this week is Stephen Dalbiak. Hi Josh. And Liam Trim.
2: Hello Josh.
1: Well it's great to have you guys both here. It's a bit of a sad week this week because it is my last week on the podcast. I thought I'd get it out of the way first and uh... I've, what have you done to us Josh? I know I've, I do, I do apologise to all, all the many fans that I know we've got for the, for the podcast but uh, yes my, my last week here so um, after this week it'll be either Stephen or Liam who'll be taking over the reins as uh, host of the podcast so I hope you enjoy um, the last episode that, that I'm on and I'm sure I'll be leaving it in capable hands of uh, Liam and Stephen um, but don't forget to subscribe to iTunes and Audio Boom. Even though I will have left, so um, make sure you do that. And check out SomersetLive.co.uk website for all the latest Yeovil Town news throughout the week. So, Yeovil Town lost to Swindon at the weekend through an 89th minute winner, um, thanks to Keshi Anderson, uh, which resigned the Glovers to -to back-to-back defeats. So, let's go straight into talking about the game. Stephen, do you think uh, Yeovil deserved to lose? It's very
0: disappointing. I think it always is when you um, when you concede what is the losing goal in the eighty ninth minute because that you get that sort of ray of hope that you're mm-hmm. going to hang on and get the point. And I think, I think on the balance of play, Swindon were the better team, but the overall were quite resilient. They were resolute for, in for a lot of the second half. And I think when it gets to that point, you always feel they almost deserve the point for the way that they have held on. I don't think, though, having said that, that you can really take much away from Swindon because they were the better team and they'll think that they fully deserve victory. And um, I think if you were talking from a Swindon point of view, they were fully deserving victories. But, you yeah, know, well, they, they didn't show much in the way of um, in an attacking sense in the second half. But I think you have to take into account the fact that they didn't really have many options to pick from. The, I think this was the game where the suspensions to Olamola and to Zoko really did hit them because there was nothing that they could really do to change things up once Swindon did get on the front foot and they took advantage of that. So um, I think you know it was, it was a tough game.
1: It could have gone either way at the end, but unfortunately Swindon just nicked it. And Liam, I guess same question. It's back-to-back defeats now for Yeovil. 89th minute um, sort of winner for Swindon. It's a, It always feels a lot worse when it comes so late on. But on the balance of things, do you agree with Stephen's assessment?
2: Yeah, no, I think I think Stephen summed it up pretty well. I was lucky enough to deputise for Stephen when he was away last week to, for the uh, pre-match press conference with Darren. And Darren was talking about this game with a lot of optimism. You know, Yebel's home form has been very good. But he did point out that Swindon have probably been better away this season than they have at home. And they've got a lot of threats going forward. One of the top scorers in the league... And they're right up there in the playoff spot, so I think they knew it was going to be a tough game. As Stephen says, without some of Yeovil's best players available as well, but certainly from my point of view, just following it, um, just checking the scores uh, on a Saturday, checking in, uh, just seeing how Yeovil getting on when I when I was away from from the ground. Um, it was a shame to see will come away with absolutely nothing after leading for most of the match. You know, I kept checking back throughout the ninety minutes. Oh, Yeovil still winning, and then even when it was one-one, I thought that'd be an all-right point against a team which is flying really high and is a, a West Country rival. So I'm sure it's a really good atmosphere at Hewish Park at the weekend. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely gutting that it's such a late defeat, and and maybe I guess if you're going to be critical. You, you should manage a game better when you've been in front for that long, and at least see out the point if, once you've conceded the equaliser. But it, it, you know, it, it is difficult um, lo- watching the highlights back. It looked like maybe they're again. We've mentioned this in previous weeks when when the first shot comes in, maybe Yo weren't quick enough to rebound, and maybe those first shots should be blocked in the first place. I, I get a bit tighter to the man making that shot. But um, I am being a bit panicky there. Um, I think Yeovil, you know, sounds like they were quite re- resilient against a very good team. And, and it's just a shame they couldn't hold on for at least a point.
0: I think you have to take into account the fact that um, with with Swindon and the way that they came forward for a lot of that second half, uh, I think over defended well, but when, you, when you're when you our team that's that dominant, nine times out of ten, you are going to eventually find a way through. And I think that's what happened. I think you could probably pick maybe at the fact that Arta Kriziak could have made a better job of a save that led to the rebound for the first goal. But again, he made two outstanding saves in the first half that kept Joval in front. So you've got to factor that in and the fact that Yes, Swindon maybe got a bit lucky with the way that rebound fell to them, but they'd, they'd worked for it because they were well on top for most of the second half. And again, with the, um, with the winning goal, it was just a well-taken goal. Yes, you could say that James Bailey didn't quite pick up the man as well as he could have done, but again, they'd been on top for so long that really, as a defending team in that position, you get tired and towards the end of the game, it was just that one moment where the concentration went that, and Swindon punished them for that. But I think the other key thing to, to remember is that Yeovil had 16 first-team players available, including Johnny Madison. They had to put a youth team striker on the bench. And Swindon were able to bring on two players in Kellen Gordon and Kane Woolery, who changed the game, who came on and made the impact. And Yeovil, just because they were so low on numbers and a large part of that was because of the suspensions. They didn't have any players of that quality that they could bring on and make the same impact and I think that really as the game went on was where the, the difference was.
1: Yeah, I think that is a fair point to make. The depth of squad does show. It's particularly at this level when you're thinking about sides that are at the higher end of the table. Just bringing those players on can, and clearly did make all the difference in this game, but it looked like it was going to go go the Oval's way. I mean, we've talked about it quite a lot how they started a lot of games where they've been able to get ahead and then generally they they stay ahead and they scored in the fourth minute and it looked like they were gonna gonna hold on and then yeah looking at the goals I don't think Jovo could do a lot about them they were just better they better quality better finishing um so I don't think um you can look too much into the, the defeat. Um, I think they yeah, gave a good account of themselves for it. Um Yeah, I think that's fans shouldn't be too disheartened by how, how it went. I mean, Stephen, do you think that maybe tactically there were anything that Darren could have done, bearing in mind that he knew what sort of team Swindon were before the game, he knew he'd be short on players, or do you think it was just a bit of bad luck?
0: I think, and you know, I, I will be critical of the team when they set up wrongly and when mistakes are made from that from that point of view. I don't really think there's a really huge amount that he could have done differently because there was only one fit striker. They had to go with one up front, they had to go really go 4 3 3 because it was the best formation that suited the players w- that were available. And when you consider that Ryan Dipson was also out injured, and you look at the team that did play it was basically the strongest eleven that they could have picked probably set up in the best possible way we could have possibly seen a you know a three four three four 3 that they played it or a 3 five two or something along the lines of what they tried to play at um at Carlisle but as we saw at Carlisle it didn't work and I think if they tried that at home they would have been taken apart they don't have it didn't have the strikers available to play four four two without um having to play players out of position, or possibly putting in Jordan Green, who's only just back from a long-term injury, and he isn't really a natural out-and-out striker up front. So really, I think that their options were kind, were limited, and because of the lack of depth on the bench, there wasn't really that much more that, that could have been done. I think the one thing that, that has been mentioned is maybe a defender could have come on late on to try and shore up the defence, but if you look at the way that Yeubel had dealt with that threat for a lot of the game, they none of the defence had a bad game. And really, the only defender you could have brought on to make that difference is Keston Davis, who has made, I think, two appearances and played about 30 minutes of football since the opening day. And so if you're throwing in a player that's that's got no match fitness or hasn't got that recent game time under his belt, I think that is much of a risk because you to do that, you'd have to sacrifice an attacking option that all that would result in is... Meaning that Yeovil didn't wouldn't have had an outlet for a counter
1: attack, and it would have led to them being penned in even further than they were at that point of the game. Yeah, I think what also was telling you you've sort of touched on it a bit is the um, um, the suspensions that Yeovil had. They were missing Mola um, Mola Zoko and also Mugabe. I mean, Liam, do you think that that was quite telling? Having those three players missing, I mean, it's back to back defeats now for Yeovil. Um, Two strikers out suspended, particularly. Has that that made quite a big difference, do you think, to the team?
2: Definitely. I think Stephen's made the point that, you know, Yeovil have got a small squad anyway, so to lose to their biggest threats going forward is going to take something away from the team. and again, I guess you know to be dull, but but I think we're all on the same page here, really. I'll echo what Stephen said in that, you know, Swindon. They they've gone into this game playing four three three. I asked Darren last week, you know, will, will that affect how you're going to line up? And he said, no, not really. And I think he, I mean he he made the point that you know they were going to try and play their own game because they were at home and you know we've had good home form. But I think Stephen's probably hit the real nail on the head, which is. Yes, do that, but also there weren't many options for Yeovil to play in any other way, so I don't think anyone was surprised to see Yeovil line up the way they did. I think Rhys Brown seemed to take his goal very well, very positive attitude there, um, so it's good to see him getting involved. I don't think there's anything wrong in in the preparation. I think if you look at the the goals, looking back at them, it seems like it's just a, a moment of a football match which changes things. And I think the the, the winning goal for Swindon was very slick. I wouldn't wouldn't say over you know, could have done much about it. Uh, if, in, like I say, I've said it already, if it was been very critical, I think the initial shot for Swindon's equaliser, you could get a bit tighter to him, and then. Ultimately, it's the attacker who gets there first of the rebound, but it sounds like the Oval were, were fending off attacks all afternoon, so it's going to take its toll at some point.
0: I think one key thing to, with the suspensions, and I mean, this is what was so costly, and this is why I think there was so much criticism aimed towards, particularly Zoko, when he got sent off against Stevenage, because it wasn't the Stevenage game where it was going to cost the Oval because they'd already done enough to win the game, but by not staying on the pitch and getting that ban, it then cost the Oval on... Saturday because it meant that there was no nothing that Darren Way could do in terms of turning to reinforcements if Zoko had been available then you'd probably say that Sam Surridge pro- probably doesn't play or Reese Brown doesn't play and then you have that option that you can bring off the bench late on to make a difference the same with Bevis Mugabe who was sent off for throwing a punch at Carlisle and I don't think anyone can argue with that but in hindsight it was a silly thing to do and it meant that Yeovil had to put Nathan Smith at left-back because Ryan Dixon was injured and break up that partnership that he's had with Omar Suwimini and it's been so effective. And it's those little things that... And Darren was, you know, very unhappy with the way that Mugabe had been sent off for obvious reasons and you see why, because it only takes one suspension like that to completely disrupt the balance of the team and for you to have to make these little changes that haven't overall have that impact
1: on the whole squad. Mm, absolutely, and... I think we should also shouldn't forget about the role that Arthur Krujak's played for Yeovil this season. I think he's been been brilliant. Really, I mean, I know Yeovil shipped quite a lot of goals, but could be a lot worse without him. He pulled off some absolutely amazing saves at the weekend. It's he, he should, I think, get a lot of credit for keeping Yeovil in games like like this. He kept Yeovil in in the game right until the eighty ninth minute until. He, until they um, sort of got the winner.
2: Does, Partic- yeah, it does seem in the highlights every week there's at least one outstanding save from Artis, a fair play to.
1: Particularly that, that
0: second save in the first half where the, the header that was looping into the mm. top corner and it just looked to everybody and it's, it's one of those horrible slow motion ones where you just only see it going in the back of the net and then at the last minute he just mm. sort of springs out of nowhere and tips it. Round the post for a corner. It
2: seemed to be behind uh, him almost, didn't it? Yeah, it was a very impressive save. I,
0: I think a lot of credit has to go to Steve Phillips, who is the goalkeeping coach who came in in September, and it was a bit of a shaky start to the season for Kriziak. after he came back from the injury he sustained at the end of last season. He had there was a couple of areas in there that led to goals. His kicking was a little bit, little bit. Sort of, it wasn't. It wasn't the strongest part of his game, and he was really struggling with his kicking at the start of the season. And since then, he really has become much more composed and much more dependable and it's almost back to the form he was showing two seasons ago where he was arguably Yeovil's player of the season and it's great to see because he's a very talented keeper he's one of the more experienced players and to have him playing so well is really you know it's only a positive for the team
1: Mm, absolutely and um, don't forget you can check out all of um, the updates and news from that game on the somersetlive.co.uk website there's a tab with Yeovil Town on it where you can find all of those stories um, I think what we should talk about now is something that I know a lot of Yeovil fans have been talking about for a little while um, and every time there seems to be a couple of defeats um, sort or of results that go against Yeovil's ways is the future of Darren Way at the club, I mean Yeovil sit 17th in the table now only 5 points clear of the relegation zone I mean, and 6th six points off the team that are bottom of the table so it's quite a precarious position that Yeovil will find themselves in and one that they are struggling to get free of at the moment and the games that are coming up for the Glovers are very tough games and you can see them slipping back into those those places I mean Stephen uh, what, what's your whole take on, on the situation really um, and sort of how the results have gone and sort of what, what fans have been saying. Really. There's a lot of fans who feel there should be a change. I think that there were, it it stem back to the end
0: of last season where there was a really poor run. I think it was only three and 27 win, three wins in 27 towards the end of the season. And you can see why there were fans questioning him. I think at that point, you know, he deserved the benefit of the doubt because of the way that he kept over up when he came in and he had a good. Um, start to last season there were some mitigating factors as to why form tailed off, particularly the loss of Carn and Hedges for an extended period that made a huge difference. But I think the problem is is it's just it, it's almost like a, a knock on effect because Yeovil since the year they were in the championship, it's been just one downward spiral really in their eyes. And I, I think it's just a lot of frustration there. I think that, that Darren still Darren still has the support of the board. I think he's he's still highly regarded within the club but there probably will come a time, if if Oval don't pick results up and don't put a run together, and particularly if they don't sort their away form out, then they're not going to get any higher at the table than they are at the moment. And that pressure is constantly going to be there. And as you've alluded to, Notts County at home won't be an easy game. I'd be confident they may get a point because of their home form. But then it's Wickham away, which is a very tough game when you consider their away form. Then it's the FA Cup away at Port Vale. And then it's home to Lincoln, who aren't doing badly, Either. And I think what you'll find is that Yeovil's board, they, they want Darren Way to remain in charge. He's got their support. But if it gets to the point where their football league status looks as though it's going to come under threat, they've shown in the past that they, and they're they not afraid to, to act. They got rid of Paul Sturrock fairly swiftly. They got rid of Gary Johnson, which I think a lot of people thought would never happen, when they looked like they were going to drop out of League One and ultimately did. So I, I don't think it's the case with the board... Or that the board won't act if it gets to that point. I just don't think it will happen yet. And I think that it will take Yeovil's football league future to be under threat before that happens because you've got you've got a couple of issues here. The first one is how much it will cost to pay him off because football managers don't come cheap. He's still got 18 months left on his contract and Yeovil haven't got a big budget. And I think you'd have to weigh that up against the costs of staying in the football league. The other thing is also who's out there to replace him, because there's never any guarantee that if you do get rid of a manager, who's out there to to come in. I know there are some names that fans will say he can come in and do a good job, but you never truly know until they're in. So I think it's a real, it's a a delicate balancing act here. I don't think there'll be any change in the foreseeable future, but he's certainly in the eyes of fans, you know, unless the Oval do really begin to climb the table and really do put that runner form together, then there are going to be plenty of supporters saying there should be a change and you can certainly you can certainly see the arguments on both sides of this from the way that the team have been playing um it's just a case of
1: really you know what the what the board wanted at the moment the board are happy for him to stay yeah absolutely and the results so far this season it's it's been quite interesting really because they seem to lose a couple of games and then fans will start sort of Calling for for a change to be made, and then they'll pick up like a win and a draw. Maybe they'll climb a couple of places out of the league, and you think, "All oh, right, maybe this will be the turning point." They'll start to to drag themselves back up to mid-table, and then it just doesn't happen. They they slip right back in there, and they just they are they are fighting for their lives at the moment. You you would say that the board surely have got to look at that and think five points off bottom off the relegation zone, just six points off the the side that are bottom of the league and we're not even at Christmas yet that is a very perilous place to be in at the moment and it's they've been there all season and it what's what's it going to take to change I mean what what's your your take on on the whole situation do you think that anything should happen or do you think should the, the board stick with their man at the moment
2: I am in the stick with their man camp um, whenever this debate comes up and you're right it does seem to be quite cyclical you know, there's a few bad results it comes back up again and then you get a result which is a bit better and, and maybe Yeovil fans try and be a bit more hopeful but I think maybe we've got to accept Yeovil going to be at least this season a very inconsistent team I think as Stephen's been saying in recent games anyway Darren's not done a lot wrong injuries and suspensions and things like that have gone against them Um, It is a results business, football. We've seen that today. We're recording this podcast on Monday, November 20th. Tony Pulis, West Brom manager, has been sacked today um, because they're not even in the relegation zone. They sit above the relegation zone in the Premier League. And I don't think anyone would say Tony Pulis has had a bad run as West Brom manager in, I think, about three seasons there. But ultimately... He's had a bad run of results this year, and that's what's cost him his job. So that could happen to Darren Way, but personally, I don't think it should because of the second point Stephen made, which is that who's out there to replace him. If you show me a, a very compelling candidate who's, who you think is going to come in and and turn things around at Yeovil, and is a realistic candidate for Yeovil to go for, because ultimately they are going to be limited by the nature of the club that they are, then I guess I'd be more persuaded. But I think at the moment there are there are some signs of positivity in the Yeovil team. Darren is a jovial man, and he's and he's and he's like as Stephen said, he's earned a bit of a right to be given the benefit of doubt. I think again, Stephen's hit the nail on the head when he says something will happen if football league status becomes very very perilous. You're right to say it's not a good position at the moment, Josh. But I mean, at least they are. There's a slight cushion in terms of the number of points and places. But I think if it starts to get much closer, um, then that's when we'll start to really be able to talk about a change being maybe close on the horizon
1: i think that is this right is who who are they going to get i mean if
2: say we were
1: members of the board who who would be on your shortlist then just thinking of perhaps managers who've been recently sacked or man- managers who don't have a job at the moment um i'm just trying to the name escapes me at the moment the manager that's just been sacked from gillingham the name completely escapes me. It was Aidy Pennock, wasn't it? Was yes, it he? Yes. But he's gone to Barrow, so... Mm, I don't think... Oh, I, can't, I can't remember who it was now, but um, just I, people like that, really. I don't do it. think it would be a proven name
0: if they did. I think it would be a young manager who... You know, he's looking for that first job, mm. looking to get started. I'll give you two examples of former Yeovil players, so I think fans would be happy to see if it ever came to that. One would be Marcus Stewart, who's now number two at Bristol Rovers, former Yeovil player. Another one would be um, Jamie McAllister, potentially number two at Bristol City. Both former Yeovil players, both well regarded by the fans, and both both people who I'm sure would want to look at for mm. that step into management. I think that's, that would be the kind of calibre of manager you would be looking at. Is someone like Stewart realistic then,
2: do you think? I think it... He's, I mean, his time at Ipswich is, is seared in my memory. is as, as a Premier League goal scorer. Oh, yes. Marcus yeah. Stewart is a big name. I mean, that is someone that I think, if if it became realistic, would turn heads. I don't know, but to I me, think it feels I like think it they would happen. be popular appointments yeah. if they were ever. But would he want it, it?
0: it? I think. I think if if you're somebody like Marcus Stewart and you want to move into management, then it probably is a job that you would interest you. And as you have that connection with the fans here, and you you have that knowledge of the club, I'm sure it would be something that that. He would be looking to do. I mean, he was rumored, I think, after Paul Stewart got sacked. Right, memory serves. I mean, he was one of the names linked with the job before Darren Way was ultimately appointed. But I think to go back to a wider question, I think you have to look at what do the board actually want from this season. And it's not a stance, what I know a lot of fans agree with. And as a fan myself, I probably don't agree with it either. But it's what are the board happy with this season. And I think for board just want to stay in the league. In fact, if Yeovil would finish twenty second. In the league, they would be reasonably happy with the way it's gone, and I know a lot of people will very, you know, heavily disagree with that. But that's the, that's what, that's their sort of, that's what their targets, and you can see by the way that the budgets have dropped off, by the way that you know the resources haven't been made, um, sorry, haven't been made available to Darren Way, that really. At the moment, as things stand, that's what they want. They just want to remain in the football league. And you can criticise maybe the lack of ambition that's being shown by the board, and it's probably at odds with the ambition that Darren Way has, because he is very a very ambitious person. That's one criticism that you can never, you know, level at him that he's not ambitious because he is and he does care about the club. It's just that the resources haven't always been made available to him, and you know, it's it's not that's not a problem, that would go away overnight even if there was a change of manager I mm. think it, it's something for, you know that the whole club has to look at and has to be looked at from top to bottom I think just changing one cog of that may make a small difference in the short term but would it make a long term difference without investment in the club? Probably not I mm. think you'd
1: say It's interesting that that is their ambition to, to just stay in the Football League considering where the club has been over the last sort of what last decade or so and sort of the, the great strides that they made and then sort of their their fall which is as quick as their rise to to the championship it's quite it's it's quite interesting that that's that's where they've pitched themselves at the the moment yeah
0: Yeah, but it seems to all indications as to the way that the the budgets have gone down and Mm. and everything it just seems to be that's what they're aiming for and it, it, it is a shame because you, if you look at what the club has achieved before and the way it got to the championship you know it was a remarkable achievement and there was a time when there was a real feel good factor around the club and it was a really good news story for the town and it's sort of everything since that championship season has just been almost one negative after the other and it's really it's not it's not anything you want to see you know the fans don't want to see it as media we don't want to be talking about the negatives but they're there and they have to be addressed because you can't gloss over these issues as they are there and it's a it's a real shame that the club finds itself in that position because it, it I, I believe it still does have a lot of potential and it certainly has the potential to be at the very least a, a League One club because it was there for many years before they went up into the Championship.
2: Ab- absolutely, and yeah. I mean I think for me it doesn't anger me that the board are just saying let's make sure we preserve our football league status because I mean you know Stephen and I will remember that you know before Yeovil were a football league club. They weren't for a very, very long time. <laughs> so I mean, it, I think Josh is right to say that the, the decline from the championship was probably managed badly. I mean, because I think there was always the attitude when they went up to the championship that it was this adventure year, and it wasn't going to go. Which I, I remember thinking at the time that's a disappointing attitude, but I understood it. Then to go down to League One and plummet again was the where it was maybe mismanaged,
0: and that was the, the that was where it all went wrong. Yeah, as far as I'm exactly. Because
2: and so for now to be to be saying let's consolidate and regroup doesn't anger me as someone who wants to see you will do well, I just want them to make sure they, they, they there's a bit of stability and then they can grow that potential again. I
0: think consolidation, I think that's the right attitude to take, yeah. but I think there's ways to do it, I think just trying to do enough to stay in the Football League is probably the wrong approach because it, that's fraught with danger because it only takes you know a couple of players I mean just say for example instead of being suspended for like some Zoko and Olamolo were we're out for three months each. You know yeah. that would have an enormous impact on the overall season, when they don't really have the resources, or Darren Way hasn't been given the resources to go and buy more players in that would make that difference mm. if that eventuality did arise. There's there's that side which the board have gone with, but there's also that trying, you know, take small steps back up. I think if you ask me where would you be happy if you will finished, I'd say if they finished around mid-table. I think that would be a good result and I yeah. think that would be achievable given the squad that they have and just with two or three more players I think that would be where you're looking at but because of the resources they're really struggling to to get anywhere beyond where where they are at the moment and when you just add in one, one factor not going as well as it is at the moment which is the away form that's why Yeovil or where they are, and why there is mm. that sort of that worry of looking over your shoulder? Because I worked it out and I wrote it in my opinion piece earlier on. If Yeovil just doubled their number of points away from home, and that only takes them to eight points in nine matches, which isn't a lot, but they'd be nine points clear, and that's a much more comfortable position to be in when you, mm. you consider you'd be virtually double the distance you are away from that bottom two.
2: Yeah, I think ideally for me, I'd be saying mid table this season and then you're looking at trying to challenge for the playoffs next season. But you're right. It's a it's a risky game to say we're only gonna accept just above the relegation zone because ultimately that'll just carry on and carry on until you're in that relegation zone, won't it? So. Yeah it's not a
0: sustainable way because eventually it will go wrong and eventually you will go down yeah. trying to play that game. It's not a sustainable long term approach. Maybe if you were saying, you know, it's for very for the very start When you've had two straight relegations and you're you're looking at a third, which is the position you over were in, Mm. then yes, that season, yes, staying up was the priority. But ever since then, they really need to, from a board point of view, be looking higher up and saying, we want to get into mid-table. Then we want to look at the playoffs. Don't try and run before you can walk. Certainly have that vision and that that long-term goal in place Mm. to, to try and get back up to League One,
1: which I feel is more than achievable when you look at what the club has achieved in the past. I think as well, from a fan's perspective, fans aren't going to want the board to come out and say, oh, let's, let's just preserve our, our league status. I mean, I accept sort of what, what Liam's saying about the fact that the Oval were non-league for so many years, but, but they aren't now. And they should be looking further up, there, up the table. And as a, as an owner of the football club, I think what fans will want is them to be looking up rather than behind them. They want them to be always looking at going in, in the league above or sort of striving to, to at least be challenging for promotion at the start of the season if you look at every single team in League 2 I think the majority of them their target for that season would be the playoffs at the very least and if you look at League 1 and the championship that is the same target for most of the, the teams mm. is to always be striving mm. to get promoted because that's at the end of the day, what you're trying to do, you're trying to get out of the league and get in as high higher league as possible. So, perhaps the board are just a bit bereft of ideas and they don't really know what to do and how to go. And maybe it's it's time for someone else to come in to have that has some new ideas. I mean, this probably segues into our sort of the next item that we're we're going to talk about. I mean, before I move on to sort of Mark Palmer and what he's been doing at the club, is any sort of final thoughts that either you guys wanted to give on. Sort of the whole. Um, sort of. I mean, for me, situation. I thought
2: that was a good segue you're about to make because the point I next wanted to make was about if you know, because it seems like we're both we're all saying around this table resources are an issue which is holding the club back, and I know that there are efforts to you know make more commercial money for the club, which I think you're yeah. leading into okay, now. Yeah, we're, so we're, maybe that's what we need to focus on we're, we're alongside in, the on the pitch stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah so we'll go into that that now then. So um, for those of you who um, sort of. Haven't been been following what Mark Palmer and his um, consultancy business have been doing with Yeovil Town. They've been looking at all aspects of the club, both on and off the pitch, to see if there's any improvements improvements that could be made. And it's around about a month since he's been um, with Yeovil Town. Um, so I know Stephen, you got um, you spoke to him um, fairly recently at the weekend. I did, yeah. Um, so what what's Mark saying? Yeah, I think it's. Um... He's made it very
0: clear that nothing's going to happen overnight. He's going to look at it very methodically. He's going to be very uh, meticulous in the way that he looks at everything from from top to bottom. And what he's going to do is he's going to present a report back to the board of recommendations that he feels will take the club to that next level and bring them forward. And some of those will be short-term things that can happen immediately. And others will be sort of more longer-term things that the club can use as a platform to take them on to that next level. Um, and I think that's the right way to go. He's spoken about sort of having a long-term plan, and he's—he, he's, I think one of the quotes that he, he gave to me was, you know, if there's a three-year, five, and a seven-year plan, you actually you want to be looking that far into the future. That's the right way to be because I think any the, the key thing for any football club is to be sustainable. You don't want to throw a load of money at it and then get yourself in financial problems because that then puts you into a much worse position than you when you started. My my gut feeling and you know you can sort of see between the lines of what Mark's saying is that you know investment is a possibility in the future. I believe he's probably been brought in to try and facilitate a future sale. But I think as Mark has said, that you there's no viable plan in place to facilitate that at the moment at Yobeltown and to do that to make the club more attractive and more appealing to outside investment, you need to have that, those building blocks. In place, and um, but what I do think, and I think um, I know a lot of fans are worried, but I think there is a lot to trust about Mark Palmer, and a lot to um, to you know sort of be be a bit confident in the fact that he is involved in the club because I know a lot of people have sort of you know a little bit dubious as to his role. But if you look at some of the teams that he has worked with, and he's come out on the record and, and said that he, you know he was involved at Grimsby and helped you know get them back into the football league and you know solidify. Their place there, he um, helped at Burton Albion, and I think you know Burton Albion's story, really, and their rise from non-league is quite you know similar in many ways to to Yeovil's rise. And um, none of the clubs that he has you know been publicly linked with have had any kind of financial problems, or had any uh, any of those clubs that you would label as having so-called dodgy owners there. And you know, I know there are plenty of clubs out there who you could probably apply that tag to. So I don't think you know it's bad that he's involved with a club as long as the board actually take what he recommends on board and um, and works to, um, works to apply those recommendations, because he has come out and said on the record that I will be here and I will do everything I can to, you know, I will work with the club to make sure his recommendations are put into place. I'm not going to walk away. If I'm asked to leave, I will leave, is what he said. But I'm not going to, just going to, you know, say you should do this and then, Say I'm off. You know he will stay with the club and try to work to um to put those measures in place. And um, I, I don't think uh, I don't think that's a bad thing at
1: all to mm. have somebody with that experience in the game involved with the club. Yeah, what I do quite like about what he's been saying um, is he's really honest and upfront about what he's doing and what he's there. Which um, from like a fan's perspective of Yeovil Town and how their owners have been, it's been a bit. They've been a bit bit cagey sometimes with yeah. how, with what they're doing and sort of what's what's happening with the club and they, fans appreciate that honesty yeah. and what's and what's coming out of the club and I think he. Well, he's, what he's been brought in to do, what it seems like, is to make the club uh, success both on and off the pitch and make them sustainable for the future. I, I and that think, is what fans want. I think the only disappointing thing,
0: and this is no slight on Mark Palmer at all, because I think it's refreshing to have somebody involved with the club at that sort of level who's willing to come out and face mm-hmm. the media. But I think the disappointing thing is that really a lot of the stuff that he's saying should be coming from John Fry as chairman and should be coming from Norman Hayward as the owner. And I can speak from experience that I've made multiple attempts to try and you know ask John Fry... Publicly about um, about a number of things, and each time you know you're either told that he may not be available, or that um, or you'll get a pre-prepared statement back from the club. And uh, I think you know there are some cases where the club you know have a valid point in, in saying you know no, we want to handle this there, but it does not help the club's image to have um, a board and have a chairman who is. Who's not coming and you know putting himself in front of the media and answering questions because you know i I can speak you know for for myself I'm not here to trip up john fry i'm not here to um to you know try and make life difficult for him, but the fact remains that there are plenty of fans who very legitimate and valid questions about the future of the club, and there's nobody there you're in an official capacity from a shareholder or from an ownership point of view who at the moment is coming up and or putting themselves forward for for interview and um, it does cause concern among the fans when that happens because I think, yes, everything is not rosy at the club. But I think you know, if if some if John Fry was willing to come out on a regular basis and speak to the media and speak to the fans and let them know where everything is, I think you'd get a lot of respect for that and you'd get a lot of people maybe understanding a lot more of the, what the issues are. But by not coming out and not speaking, it does, you know, it does set some kind of alarm
1: bells among, you know, among the fans. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I remember he first said when he came here is that it is one of the possibilities that the club could be could be put up for sale. Um, it wasn't. There isn't anything sort of definite in in the pipeline or any anyone sort of waiting in the wings for that. I mean, Liam, what do you sort of think that is? Is that something that would be right for Yeovil Town, or do you think that it's a case of um, the owners sticking with it and sort of taking on board the advice that Mark might give them to make the club a bit more sort of uh, successful on and off the pitch?
2: I think on on the club being bought by someone, I'd make the same point that we've, that we've already made about about Darren Way. Is you know who's going to do it? Um, is there anyone out there who would want to? And, and is there going to be is there actually anyone out there that the fans would want as an owner? It has to be so, the right person. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I'd, I'd be much more concerned with focusing on how do they, you know, be more commercially successful, make more money, which they can put back into the team with the current ownership in place. And I know that's maybe not a popular opinion around some fans, but I mean, you, Stephen's made some great points there, where you don't want to end up with. With maybe owners which don't have any local connections Or owners who have financed any deal in in a way that makes fans uncomfortable So that wouldn't be my first priority I think you've got to work with what you've got as a club I was going to bring up this point in a jokey way but i think it all ties in quite nicely next summer you've got two big concerts lined up at hewish park they've got a stadium which is an asset to them and they can they can bring in the likes of and it is steps and aha on separate dates guys i'm sure you might have listened to last week's podcast where this was discussed coming to Yeovil and Darren Way gave me his reaction last week and he said he's a bit of a Steps fan. He thinks they've got some toe tappers. Who would
1: have thought it? So
2: good for Darren that he's uh, that open about his his fondness there for some of the Steps hits. He told me he'd listened to four of their songs, a very specific number, the previous evening, the evening before that press conference, and he said it might be a good night out for his missus. And that is funny. That's funny. I enjoyed that. We all had a giggle at the press conference and he, he, he took my question in, a, in the light-hearted spirit it was intended. But there's a serious point there. You know, Yeovil Town Stadium should be something... As Speaking as a Yeovil reporter now, who's not just interested in sport, it should be something which is an asset for the whole town, not just football fans. And in the summer is, is an opportunity for the football club to make money, be at the heart of the community, bring exciting things to Yeovil, hopefully bring people into Yeovil from miles around. And and Stevens alluded to the fact that, you know, there are clubs that are small in stature traditionally, like Yeovil like Bert and Albion, who are up in the um, Championship, steady, you know, they don't seem to be going anywhere, they're doing very well. And then you've got the likes of Exeter City, I love to plug Exeter City, you know I do, who are riding high in League 2, and you made a great point, Josh, that most teams should, at the start of a football league season, be targeting the playoffs, I think, because you look at a, a league like the Championship and there's teams that you'd be like, oh, they'll probably go down. Who end up making a surprise charge at the the playoffs? And you look at the top of the championship at the moment, and I think some of the teams that are up there, you wouldn't have, seen, you know, Sheffield United on that run up there. I know that traditionally they're a bigger club, maybe. Same but, with Wolves as yeah, well. but, like but in recent season. seasons they've been in League One, so mm, there's no yeah. reason why and Yeovil can't go from being in League Two to, to charging up League One in a couple of seasons' time. You with only the right.
0: have to look at Huddersfield as a perfect example. Yeah, exactly. That last year, like and as do far as expected them to go
2: up. Yeah, and I don't know the details of Huddersfield, but there's there was I know that there was a lot of coverage from sports journalists when Huddersfield went up to the premiership about how their ownership model works and how they make money and they're quite small in terms of the way they make money and their owner is a fan I think which people love to see obviously so it's not something that you know you don't have to sell their soul to, to have resources and to challenge to go up the league just maybe they need someone like Mark Palmer to to point out some creative ways that they can do things, and I don't know how involved he's been in these in these concert decisions, but that's up to he, me. He seems ha- like he, that, no, no that's involvement not, it's not from him. Yeah, so, i so asking about that. So yeah, that, that so I too. mean that's still an exciting thing. So whoever's making those yeah. calls, what a great I think that's a great advert for your football club. I think that's something
0: that the Olympic club deserve a lot of credit for doing. Yeah, because that. Stadium is something which, you know, over the summer any football ground is almost like it's just left empty and it's left there with nothing happening to it. And we saw it with Nitro Circus a couple of years a stunt show a couple of years ago, but that brought in money. And you know, this is all good money, but if reinvested properly, can be used to benefit the playing squad and benefit the team, and you know, make sure the club has a bigger budget so when the football season does come around, they can compete. And it's a great idea. You know, any of the big Premier League clubs have concerts and stuff going on. I don't know exactly the figures of how much it will be, you know, it will benefit the club, but I remember I, I was reading about how when Sunderland um, hosted a series of Take That concerts a few years ago, that they, as a football club, made £2 million from that. And I'm not saying that you're ever going to make anything like that nah. from having AHA and steps, and I don't know what the figures are, but it's just an example of, you know, just the fact that, you know, you can make quite a lot, a lot of money from hosting concerts. If you get the right people in and, you know, they're, they're popular with uh, local community, you know, that's all money that can go into the club and be used to benefit
1: the squad and that's um, and that's only a positive as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. I think we should probably leave it there for, there for now. We've um talked about it quite a lot. It's it's a fac- I think it's a fascinating sort of conversation mm. to to have about sort of the ownership and sort of how they're they're doing things at the moment. And I think um sort of encourage fans to get involved in the debate as well. So do sort of um, tweet us or sort of comment on on the articles or um, get in touch with us to know what your thoughts are. We'd love to to hear you. I perhaps on future weeks you could um, read some of those thoughts out. If anyone does get in touch and it could be another sort of di- discussion piece. But
2: we'd love to do that in your absence, Josh. to real There's a, a big hole
1: <laughs> waiting to be filled. theres isn't there? Absolutely. So um, before we finish this week, we should talk about the two upcoming games that Yeovil have. Firstly, coming to Hewish Park tomorrow, so that'll be Tuesday, November the 21st, is Notts County, who are flying high at the top of League Two at the moment. And then on Saturday, Yeovil Town visit Wickham. So let's take Notts County first. I have pulled up a couple of, well, a couple of stats um, for Notts County that they haven't, one away in the league since September, which is quite quite an interesting one. I mean, they are top of the table at the moment, but they seem to be struggling away from home. So it's one thing I'm sure Darren will um, will be thinking about.
0: I'm actually more confident that Yeovil will get something from Knotts County than I was that they would get something from Swindon. And it might seem strange given their league positions, but if you look at Knotts County, Yeovil have got a good recent record against them. They've um, they've beaten them at home the last two seasons. Um, I think they've only beaten them once in my last five years, home and away. Um, sorry, not County have only beaten the Oval, that is. Um, and if you look at some of the games that Notts County haven't won, I mean, they lost away at Crew, who were below Yeovil in the league. They only got a 95th-minute equaliser against Forest Green at home when um, I think that was when Forest Green won a really bad run at the start of the season. So it shows that you know, they can be susceptible to... Um, to being be, being beaten or to tripping up against some of the teams that are lower down in the table, and with Zoko and Olamola coming back into the team tomorrow, you know I think it, there is reason to believe that Yeovil, with their home form, I know they lost it at home against um, Swindon, but with their you know looking at their home form generally, I think they they have got a chance of getting something if they do play to their full potential.
1: Definitely, and they do have a a bit of an ageing squad as well, shall we say? A few so Premier League favorites. So we've got two thousands players. Isn't yeah. It? So Showlamiobi. Is a, a big star for them.
2: Newcastle United legend. Yeah.
1: Well, another Newcastle United legend as well, and Alan Smith, is with oh, um, and Manchester United. He's not started a game yet this season, but he's uh, come off the bench a few times. They've got John Stead as well. John Stead? Yeah, so they've got Nicky Hunt, former Bolton. Yeah, exactly. Right so back. Wow. Perhaps that's part of their success this season. They've got such a an experienced squad. There, they've got a real. I mean, sort of wealth
2: this, of knowledge. We say this, I know, and this I think links back into the previous discussion, maybe that we were having about Yeovil struggling to push on, and that we say it a lot that that Yeovil don't seem to retain. Some senior players who've been about a bit to just have that experience, and every year Yeovil seem to put together a lot of young players and loan players, and, and maybe that's you're right, maybe that's why Notts County are riding high. But um, I think I think you made a good point as well about the suspended players coming back in Tuesday night. That'll be a big boost, and hopefully Yeovil will be really up for this one. Yeah,
0: and I, th- I think um, just to stick with not counting a lot has got to be said about how well uh, a good a job Kevin Nolan has done for them because before Kevin Nolan came in they were sort of stuck in a rut they were struggling to sort of get themselves out of that sort of lower mid-table position in League 2 they were even in, I think in the relegation zone when Nolan came in and he's completely transformed the way that that club is being run and they haven't changed that many in, t- in terms of players but they've gone from being a team that's struggling down there to the top of the table and it just goes to show that you know if you get somebody in with a bit of ambition who's young, who's hungry, who wants to progress, just what is possible, and with the budget that Notts county have and it is much bigger than Yeovil, really you know he's been that piece in the puzzle that's really helped him get up to the top and um I think you know if you if you sort of talk to Notts county fans and I've got a couple of friends who are you know they they, they they love the job that he's done there, and I think he's he's certainly somebody if you're looking five ten years in the top uh, five sorry five ten years in the future, he's somebody who really has the potential to go
1: up to the top in terms of management because the job that he's done so far has been outstanding. Yeah, definitely. And then the uh, second game in the space of, um, well, this, this week is against Wickham, um, who are sixth in the league. But again, they also, their form has been a bit ropey of late, only won once in their last seven. So these games are tough for They've They're playing... Teams that are right over the top of the league, and it's sort of unfortunate that they've been grouped together so much. But I think they are. There is potential there for Yeovil to, to nick a few points, and so it will be interesting to see see how they do. But if they do lose both those games, it's going to be four defeats, or in in a row, and it's it's not looking good. Then and that gap um, when, will not be five points either. Absolutely. Um, before before we finish, is there any team news um, that? The uh, fans should should know about ahead of the, the two games. Well, obviously the big one is that Olamola and Zoko are back. Um,
0: I've, I have some doubts over whether Ryan Dixon would will be fit or not. He's had his problem of concussion for a few weeks now. It's obviously in the hands of the doctors and as to whether he will play, but I wouldn't be surprised if he misses out again. But the good news about Zoko and Olamola being back is that it means the Oval should be able to field a full-strength bench, which I You know, seven players. They shouldn't have to rely on youth team players, which um, they've had to in recent games. So, um, so that's a positive. It's good to be getting these players back, and hopefully, with their um, with their bands, they're going to come back fresh
1: and ready to fight, which is what you will need at this time. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, check out the sunsetlive.co.uk website for all the coverage for those two games at the weekend. And I think we'll leave it there, guys. Um, Well, I
2: just wanted to say, seeing as that. Darren Way said he'd listen to four step songs. I wanted to see if you guys could name four step songs. Because I've only been able to manage to write down three here. Well, you're beating me because I've got two. Go on, then. What are your two, then, Stephen?
0: Tragedy. Yeah. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. And off the top of my head, I can't think of any more. Reach for, for sure. the stars. That's S Club.
2: Right, that's right. S Club, mate. Oh, oh, wrong yeah, yeah. Mate, They all they all blend into <laughs> yeah. one. Don't I've got they? one for sorrow is my third. So I think you know, do <laughs> do go on the Somerset Live website, find that contact page, and get in touch with us to put us right on. The, what's the fourth step song that we think Darren Way had been listening to?
1: Oh, we should make a Darren Way playlist. Yeah, you know, what, so what does steps. Darren Way? What is blasting out of their he changing room pre-match? Happen. So. I wanna know if you don't uses... think Darren Wade's in charge of that listening to what <laughs> no. you know, I, think
0: uh, I don't know, you might be he might be a fan of uh, you know sort of the grime sort of thing, but uh, And thanks
2: knows? thanks to Josh as well for being a great host and starting yeah. this podcast. We we hope to carry it on in your absence. Though. Oh man, oh, you know, we're you just guys. finding
0: our feet and then he's leaving us. So I mean just oh, no. you know, what does the future hold? I'm sure they will be in
2: We just hope that Charlton Athletic Continue to plummet down the leagues and, until oh, until do. they play at the same level as Yeovil. And we oh, can I'm sure we'll we'll all be
1: waiting and... a very long time for that to happen. But thanks very much for everyone who's listened to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Audio Boom. Um, yep. So thanks very much, everyone. Cheers.
2: Ik vind een bundel van 2GB stiekem meer dan genoeg. Niet omdat het moet. Nu 2 gig data met een 0 minuten bel en sms bundel voor maar 9 euro per maand. Omdat het kan. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.